Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Frank LaRosa. I'm the host of Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. As always, I'm joined here with my trusted compadre, Dale Dempsey. What's up, brother? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Yeah, tell me about it. The middle of the night uh, for, middle of the night for some people. <laughs> hopefully, everybody's healthy. As we record this, I was down for the count for the better part of a week and change with the flu. So that was very, very rough. But back in action. But back in action, ready to go with a new name, Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. What's that all about? I love the name. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I guess I should have taken my own advice when we talked about what's in the name because we changed the name due to some potential legal action by somebody that had a similar name, not the same name, but a similar name. It was pretty close. And yeah, other than it was, well, we're not going to get into the details, but it was close enough where I decided to use it as an opportunity to sort of rebrand in a sort of a bigger picture with where I plan on going with this show and what we're talking about, and that is advisor talk. Our goals every week, we're talking about things that advisors are talking about during the preceding week. And so that's where I sort of came up with the name. We launched a private Facebook page, Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa, which is a national mastermind group it's for actually, financial advisors. I shouldn't have cut you off there. I don't know, I don't okay. know much about that. So the national mastermind so It's a mastermind group. group for financial advisors where it's a closed group. People will be vetted before they come in. So you're not going to have people pitching products and different things like that. It's just for financial advisors around the country. And the idea is to bring to these financial advisors the best parts of when they go to a conference. When I was an advisor or when I went to a conference, everybody always says they get their best ideas from the breaks, from the lunches, from hanging out at the bar with the other advisors that they don't get to see but once or twice a year and they're sharing ideas and stories and more stories and successes and stuff like that. And so why not create a platform globally where advisors can have that same kind of conversation? And so what I plan on doing really is just creating this forum, having spent years and years as a branch manager, giving advisors around the country the opportunity to talk about things that are going on in their professional lives, maybe personal, but in their professional lives, where maybe they feel like they're not getting the right answers from the managers. They're getting the sort of the corporate response and they want to know what the real response is and what's really happening. Though This is a place and a platform where they can ask those questions. If they want to do it confidentially, great, they can do that. And then ultimately, we'll move to a more involved type of program where on a monthly basis, we have featured guest speakers. We talk about some of our podcast topics in much more detail because it's a closed group. We can be maybe a little more open and opinionated. Not that I'm not opinionated as it is, but I can be more opinionated. And so that's where all this whole thing where I came up with advisor talk really sort of came from. So with that said, our last podcast, which we had rolled out, talked about the junior advisor role and bringing on junior advisors. And interestingly enough, We've had some additional conversations with advisors that not only don't have a junior, but they maybe don't have a sales assistant or they're sharing a sales assistant with four or five advisors within their branch. 
or you're an independent advisor, you work from home and you don't want to spend the money on a sales assistant or somebody. And so I wanted to talk today about why I think having a really good quality CSA, client service associate, is important for the growth of your business. So I just wanted to sort of differentiate different levels. There's all different types of names. But for the most part, a CSA in the world that I grew up in, the world that most people that might be listening to this podcast, they process ACATs, they do wire transfers, they open up new accounts. They're doing the sort of the paperwork side of things. Once you move into like a senior client associate or a senior registered marketing associate, all these sort of glamorous 10 cent title names, you sort of move up the ladder in terms of client engagement. So where a CSA may be having a conversation with a client, but really it's just about information related to opening up the account versus a senior registered associate or senior registered marketing associate or strategist is probably having more involved conversations with the client about their portfolios on behalf of the financial advisor, but they're licensed, they're registered, all that good stuff. And they're more experienced so that they can have a more, I'm not going to say more intelligent, CSAs can be highly intelligent, but they're not going to be as skilled in the investment management side of the conversation with the client. But I think that it's really important that if you're trying to grow your business, that you make sure you surround yourself with quality people. And that is all about your sales system. They are the front line. They are really important to the growth of your business because they can also hurt your business. If you have a sales assistant that has a bad attitude, doesn't really want to be there, hates the firm that they're at, doesn't understand your vision and what you're trying to do, it could really make things a little more difficult for you because they're not going to deliver the level of service to your clients that you want, and you might not even know it. Well, even the firm, so it could be like not in good order all the time with everything that they do, and you're constantly having to go back and and redo stuff. Right. right. It's downtime and it makes you look bad because your assistant is going back to the client several times. And again, it's a reflection on who you are. So not to take too much time on this, yeah. but how do you get them on the same page? Is it compensation? Is it future yeah. growth? Great or, question. Is- I think that if you're in a wirehouse retail setting, they have criteria. So a million three per sales assistant, a million five, some are a little bit lower than that, some are a little higher than that. So if you're doing enough production where you've earned the right to have your own assistant, your own client service associate, then your job is not as difficult because they're already working for you. But what I think that you have to understand is you might think they understand what your goals are. You might think they understand how you want your clients to be serviced. But unless you actually have those conversations with them and treat them as an invaluable part of your team, I'm not going to use the word partner they are a partner, maybe not in equity form, but you should bring them behind the curtain so that they understand what's going on. You get paid X amount of dollars from this client. So that's why we have to make sure we take care of that client. This particular client, we don't make as much money on. The same things you're thinking about, you should be articulating to your sales assistant. So they are thinking the way you're thinking, which also includes compensation. I see too many advisors are too cheap when it comes to their sales assistants. And they say, well, the firm's It's a firm's responsibility to pay my sales assistant. That's true. But I can tell you that no firm pays a good sales assistant enough money to do what they're doing, to really drive business for financial advisors. So it's on you, the financial advisor, to bonus out your sales assistant. And you can do that in a couple of different ways. The easiest way is 
I'm just going to give them, oh, I'm going to give her $1,000 a month, right, as a form of salary. I would be really careful about that. I've seen situations where you bonus your sales assistant, and even though you call it a bonus, it really turns into a salary, which means if there's an issue or for some reason we've had this situation in the past where the sales assistant went out on leave because of her medical injuries, you still have to pay them because it's a salary, right? Because that's how it's calculated versus a either quarterly bonus, which is still can get into that category, or what I would suggest is a percentage of the revenue of your business because now it aligns the two of you. So it's sort of like best put this stuff in writing, have it clearly defined, talk about it, have them understand it. Meaning for whatever reason, if you're not here necessarily or not, because maybe you, you agree that if they're not there, they still get it, but you define it. That's the point. You define it. Right. You should define it. Obviously, if you're in a retail environment, your manager is going to be involved because they're going to, all the compensation is going through there and they're going to pull the compensation out of your comp. A lot of times, most firms will have a sort of pre-tax option or an AFG account, like a pre-tax expenses and come out of there. But you should sit with them, whether it's semi-annually, annually, a good manager will do a review of their sales support or their administrator will do the review. You should be sitting down with them and going through a review from your point of view, from your business point of view, and go through, hey, here's what our production was this year. If you put out a percentage of your production, then they know as they do better. So let's say it's an annuity ticket. You're talking about New York NIGOs, not in good right, order, right, right. which is the NIGO. It's an ops term. <laughs> well, I can't even believe I remember that, but it's an ops term. They know that if you're dropping a $800,000 annuity ticket, they want to make sure that that thing gets processed because they're going to calculate what that means to them. And it's really important to keep your support staff happy and excited about the growth of your business, especially when they see a lot of advisors leave before their sales systems do, come in after their sales systems get in. I don't agree with that, but that's just the way it works, right? And so if they know that they're there fighting the good fight when you're not around and they know that they're going to get paid for it, they're going to be more willing and able and, and happier to do it versus creating some level of animosity because they're making a fixed value and you're coming in at 10, leaving at four, and you might be making a lot more money, right? Maybe you opened up a bunch of accounts, which your sales assistants had to handle, but they're not making any more money. And throwing them a couple hundred bucks here and there for a really strong sales assistant is almost insulting. And so for me, I always believe in aligning performance with performance. And if your business grows, if you grow your business by 30%, there was a high probability that your sales assistant worked pretty hard to help you because you couldn't do it by yourself. And if you're a financial advisor and you have a sales assistant and you think that you can do that by yourself, you're delusional. Right. This, this podcast is for you. This podcast is definitely for you. You may not like what I have to say, but it's the truth. All right. So this is making a lot of sense. So you line them from a goals standpoint, from a compensation standpoint, and then right their growth metrics, like before I cut you off and ask you that question, you're keeping them more interested and involved in growing with right. the business. They, they want right? you to double your revenue right. because their income is going to double. And their right. title, right? So, well, say well, title, title but, you but can, their experience. As, yeah, and you want to lay out a path for them for growth. So CSA, senior CSA, some of that in a retail environment is not necessarily up to you because the firm is going to have certain mandated titles. So you have to get with your manager 
or your operations manager, whoever handles the support staff in your office, you have to get with them on what those titles are. But you should know what they are, and you should walk them through that. If you have a sales system that's not registered, you should be talking about the value of becoming registered. I mean, as they progress, you pay them more money. The other thing that I wanted to say, because I think that there are some, we talk to a lot of advisors that aren't fortunate enough to have their own assistant. So they share with two or three other advisors, four other, some, I mean, oh, yeah. I've heard some horror stories with. I've heard five and more. Right. They're all unhappy about that part of the business. Right. So I just sort of take you back to a time where when I was a producer and sort of, I'll just say that I stumbled across this, the whole premise a long time ago when I was a young buck in the industry and didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And I got taught a lesson by an operations manager and she said something to the effect of, if you want to get your shit done, you need to be nice to everybody. I'm paraphrasing, but it was maybe not as nice as that. And I sort of learned that conversation goes a long way. And even though I wasn't making a lot of money, it didn't take much from me to say thank you to them to get a lot more work done because they appreciated it. And so it was a show of appreciation. But what I did do when I started producing a little bit more and I was sharing my sales assistant who became my sales assistant for about 10 years with two other advisors, I went to the branch manager and said, okay, what's the ratio? What's this support staff ratio to have your own sales assistant and whatever that number was, I forget what the number was at the time. And what would it cost me to have my sales assistant all to myself? Do you remember why you did that or why you were thinking about that? Yeah. Because I was going to ask you a number about ratios and like, let's say you don't have a shared assistant, you run a private practice and you just, you need to get one, but you don't know if you're there yet. But that's a different question. For me, I was investing in my business and I knew that it was going to cost me, let's say back in the day, it was going to cost me a thousand dollars a month. I was only doing two and change. That was maybe three years in the business. But I knew that I wanted my assistant to be 100% focused on me and my clients. I didn't want to answer anybody else's phones unless there was an overflow or whatever, right? I wanted her to answer the phones a specific way. I wanted her to service my clients a specific way. I wanted her to be making outbound phone calls to my clients setting up phone appointments for me a specific way. And I didn't want any of the other advisors that were around me or she had to share with who had poor work ethic, poor values, all of the above, right? I didn't want her to have to sort of juggle those two emotional sort of sides of an advisor, right? I was demanding as it was, and I wanted her on the team, and I knew I was going to be paying her and doing things, and I knew that she would be working more hours for me, meaning later, and I didn't want her to have to get caught in a bad spot where she was working for me on something important, and then this other advisor needed to do something and got mad at her because she was working for me. So I didn't want to put her in that position. I was being selfish, but for the right reasons. I was being selfish for my clients and for my business. And it worked out. So that is a solution if you're listening to this podcast and you are sharing with two or three advisors, go to your manager and just simply ask, what's it going to take for me to have Jill all to myself? Come figure out what that number is. Most of the times your firm has an AFG type of pre-tax account. At the time, we didn't have that. So it's just sort of coming off of my net revenue. That's really a way to commit and invest in your business. And so there wasn't really like an event that happened. You were just, you've been doing a whole bunch of different things trying to- Well, it was, a, it was an accumulation of stuff. Yeah, okay. It was her having to answer their phones and do an annuity ticket for a $200,000 client when I just opened up a $4 million managed relationship. I needed that stuff done right away. I didn't need her to have to- 
pause that for a large client because this other guy needed to drop a $200,000 annuity ticket because it was the only thing he was doing that week. So it's interesting, right? So if you don't have a CSA or support or anybody along those lines, you're probably leaving a ton of money on the table. You think you're being like frugal, but it's actually the opposite that's going on because you're not able to grow your business the right way because you're maybe not swamped, but you're tasked with doing all the things that you can train someone else to do. We have a client right now that, and to the firm's credit, they're as part of the deal, they're going to be reimbursing the advisor up to a certain amount of money for their sales assistant compensation because right now they don't have a sales assistant. So he's processing annuity applications and paperwork at 10 o'clock at night while he should be spending time with his family because he doesn't want to spend the money on a sales assistant. And to your point, Dale, is that it's costing him money. He thinks he's saving money. It's costing him money. Even with a non-registered assistant, you can probably pay someone anywhere between forty and 55000 a year. So figure out what kind of production you have to generate to net $50,000 and then work at it. And I can tell you this, if you start paying somebody and you know you're paying somebody, you're going to work harder. Oh, that's You will work harder. Right. Oh, yeah. You have to look at it like that. And that's sort of where this was coming from is that I didn't understand how you could operate a business without having a sales assistant. And we talked to a lot of advisors that work from home and there's a virtual assistant. It's not quite the same thing. So I just don't feel like it adds as much value. So if you're out there and you are trying to grow your practice and you're just humming along with the firm provided sales assistant sharing him or her with four or five people, you really need to think about how valuable your time is because the better the quality assistant you have, the more they're going to do and the more you can focus on what you're good at. And that is going out and finding accounts and bringing in business. So with that said, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the new Advisor Talk podcast. And don't forget to go to iTunes and subscribe. Go to our YouTube channel, which is Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. And check us out on Instagram, franklarosa.elite. And go to our Facebook page, which is Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Thank you very much. And I'll talk to you next week. Good talk. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.